listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. What would happen to your practice if you got really good at getting more referrals? We're going to talk about that today on our show. And our guest is a credentialed authority on the topic. Her name is Stacy Brown Randall. Stacy is a three-time entrepreneur. She's the author of the award-winning book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. And she's the host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast. Stacy has taught her no-asking referral generation strategy to hundreds of clients and audiences. And her clients include well-known corporations like Bank of America and Mass Mutual. I hope you get some great rock-solid ideas from today's show. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. And today we have our guest, Stacy Brown Randall, and we're going to be talking about referrals. Stacy, thanks for joining me on the show today. No, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Scott. You bet. I love your website. I love your content. I love your podcast. I think you've got some great solid content. You speak in a way that just really gets people to want to hear what you have to say. And, and tell us about your story. How did you end up to where you're an expert on the topic of referrals? Well, you know, it's funny. I wish I could tell the story that I like woke up one day and I was like hit with a bolt of brilliance. And I was like, oh, I'm going to teach people how to generate referrals, but go against the decades old advice of asking for them or being right. promotional or gimmicky or paying for them and teach them how to do it without those things and how to do it without asking. But unfortunately, that is not how the story goes. I did not wake up and just be like, oh, this is what I'm going to be an expert in. But you know, the reality of it is, is my story started and why I get to have this conversation with you and with your audience today is because I actually had to overcome a business failure in mm. my background. So I had to overcome a business failure. And it's, you know, it's, it's that thing to be said that nobody wants to experience failure, but if, right. if you will allow yourself to reflect back on it mm-hmm. and really take the lessons from it, like once you, of course, like overcome like the ego bruising and obviously all the pain that goes along with having to admit that your business failed and having to go back to corporate America for a while. You know, when I reflected back on why that business failed and I started paying attention to how I brought in business, like what was I doing from a business development perspective? Was I touching business development every day, but in a way that worked and worked for me because I wasn't going to cold call, right? And I don't Mm -hmm. like sending cold emails out into the dark abyss and I can network, right? That's fine. I can, I can go to groups and, you know, join groups and go have seven million cups of coffee. I like people, but I also have three children. And so that's not conducive to being available to do that all the time. And when I looked back at my business that had failed, and like when I say this business failed, it was a four-year business. It was an HR consulting firm and KPMG and Ally Bank were two of my clients. So it wasn't like it never like had some good traction. It definitely was on its way. But unfortunately, why it failed is that when I looked back at how I got all that business, it was from hustling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was from constantly networking, constantly trying to meet new people. And I worked entirely too hard for every client I did land. And what I learned when I looked back was like, wow, of all the clients I did work with, not one came through a referral. Wow. wow. And in fact, the only referral that failed HR consulting firm, that biz- that first business that I had received, that the only referral I'd ever received came two years after I'd already closed the doors and shut that business down and was back working in corporate America. Wow. And so I know I was like meant to be an entrepreneur. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. 
I didn't know what I necessarily wanted to start a business as, which is, you know, I started my first was an HR consulting firm. While I was back in corporate America, I was like, I kind of need a plan B. I don't want to be in here forever. I need to figure out how I can get back out on my own. But what am I going to do that's actually going to, like, I'm going to love doing and I'm going to be successful at? I got certified as a productivity and business coach while I was in corporate America. Mm-hmm. And I started doing productivity coaching and I realized I was really good at it and really enjoyed it. And so I left corporate America, started my second business as a productivity and business coach and started to rapidly grow my coaching practice very, very quickly. And people would say, what are you doing to grow so fast? And I would say, well, I'm getting all these referrals and it's great. In my first year as a, as a business and productivity coach, I brought in 112 referrals. Wow. I, I can't even work with that many people in a year, right? I mean, right. the way that I structured my coaching engagements. And people were like, well, what are you doing? And so at that moment, I was kind of forced to deconstruct what I was doing. What I did know is that when I researched getting referrals and it told me to do all the icky things nobody wants to do, like ask for them and here's the 14,000 scripts to use and make sure you're taking advantage of reciprocity and asking someone for a referral because they think you did a great job. Like all those things you're taught, like promise a kickback or a commission, right? Mm-hmm. Like all those things you're taught or put in my email signature line, the greatest compliment you can give me as a referral. Like all those things were taught. I was like, I just don't want to, those don't match my professional brand. Those don't match the reputation I want to have and be known for and how I want to be seen in the marketplace. So I couldn't do those things because I just knew it didn't match who I was. And so, which meant, right, I wouldn't do it long-term. I would try it and then I would give up. Like most of us, when we find things that don't work for us, but we're forcing ourselves to do it. And so I was like, there's got to be another way. So I really was guinea pigging on myself and my business to try to generate referrals. And when I started to have success, that then forced me to be like, okay, you've been doing lots of things. What are the things that are actually working to generate referrals? And to be honest, God, I mean, in the beginning, I was like, this is great. It works for me. I'm going to do this forever. But my clients, you know, they were, they were attorneys, they were CPAs, they were realtors, they were interior designers. And they were saying to me, we're all in relationship-based businesses as well. We're all in businesses that have to be focused on serving the client as you are, Stacey, right? As a coach, like, how are you doing this referral thing? And so I I reverse engineered it. I deconstructed it and I started teaching it to them. And it was kind of like, okay, well, we'll see, right? We'll see if this works for you. And then when they started having success and in some cases, bigger success, larger success than I had had. And these are people who were nothing like me. And then some who are like me, then I realized, okay, well, it's not based on personality. It's not based on industry. It's not based on gender, right? It's not based on any of those things. I was wondering if it was based on, I was like, it is a universal tactic that will work, a strategy that will work for anyone who decides to actually implement it. There are some key pieces that make it work, but ultimately like some, like you got to be a good person. You actually have to care about people. I always like to say that in the beginning, because this is not a manipulation tactic. And so when I realized, wow, it's not working for me, it's, it's working for them, you know, then I was like, okay, well, more people need to know this because all we've been told is ask for referrals and 99% of us refuse to do that. So we're just letting referrals happen you know, sporadically right. or inconsistently. And I want to help people control them in the best way we can. And so then, of course, I created my program and now we're in nine different countries serving. You know, We had an attorney in the Bahamas sign up recently. Like We are serving people all across the world who have just decided, hey, guess what? There is another way to generate referrals and I don't have to ask for them. And I, I want to learn that way. And so now we've had hundreds of hundreds of students go through the program. We've been doing this for seven years. And it's just really nice to teach people that even though generations and decades of the advice we've received can work for some, 
they're in the minority and there is another option for the rest of us. Well, you've got some fantastic credentials. You've been there, you've done that, you've learned. And I liked how you said you reverse engineered what worked for you. You've done testing on it. You've got a track record. So let's kind of get into this a little bit in terms of definitions. For those listening, how would you define what is and what isn't a referral? What would be the definitions we'd be using as we talk about this? So I'm so glad you asked that question because I have found that people apply different definitions to it and they use terms like word of mouth buzz and referral and introductions and they use them interchangeably which ultimately ends up diluting the power of what a referral really is. And so when I talk about a referral, there are two key pieces that it has to have that is going to make it different from a warm lead, from word of mouth buzz, or from an introduction. Those are four different types of prospects or leads, so to speak. And so I always tell folks, for me to explain the two key parts that a referral has to have to be considered a referral of how we define it, let me back up and first just say, think about why you want a referral. Right. When people are like, yes, I want referrals in my business because why? Well, the reason is, is because, well, that prospect shows up and when they've been referred to us, they're typically quicker to close. They're usually easier to close. They're less price sensitive and they show up with a level of trust and that no like, and trust factor. And they already trust us. And so it's almost as if they're saying, can you just take my money and make my problem go away? Like, mm-hmm. can you just help me out with this? Now, it doesn't always happen just like that, right? But the reality of it is when someone comes to you and they've been referred to you, they show up differently as a prospect than any other type of prospect you will ever have come through your sales funnel or your business development funnel. And the reality of that is, is that you need to know it when it arrives, but to know what a referral is when it arrives, because you have to treat it different. It's understanding, okay, this is why we want them because they're easier to close, quicker to close and less price sensitive. So what makes them that way? Well, what makes them that way is this definition. And the first key part that a referral has is that there's always a personal connection, which means there is somebody, I refer to them as the referral source. People call them referral partners or whatever you want to call it, but let's just go with referral source. There is always a human who is the referral source who knows a prospect and Mm -hmm. is going to connect them to you. And it is in that connection that you then become aware of who this person is in terms of you have contact information. Usually this is done, I would say like 90% of the time it's done over email. Sometimes it's done over group text thread, just it really depends on your industry. And when we used to go to -to face-to-face events, it could sometimes happen at face-to-face events, but you want this happening, this connection happening over email where they connect you to the prospect. Let me ask you this. What is it that you think keeps that referral source from sharing information with us where we want to get the names of those people, we want to get introduced to them. Why do you think they're hesitant to share that with us? So here's the thing. When somebody doesn't make that connection for you, it's usually for one of two things. One, they didn't think about it. Right. So if I were to say to you, oh my gosh, Scott, I was just talking to a friend of mine who absolutely needs what you do. And I gave her your name and number. Don't worry, she'll reach out. Right. Like in that case, what I've done, if I've given you word of mouth buzz, because you don't know who has your contact information and because you don't know who they are, you have no way of connecting with them, right? Like I've talked to somebody who needs you, but I haven't actually made the connection to you. So you're not in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just because I didn't think about it, right? Now, people in sales typically think about it. People who are great at being an attorney or a CPA right. or, or a realtor, that doesn't necessarily mean they're always thinking about it, right? They're right. just thinking about, I help the person by giving them who they need to contact. What we want them to do is make that connection. If it's not because they didn't think about it and it's because they're unwilling to, well, then we have a bigger issue, 
Mm-hmm. Because if they're not willing to make that connection, there is a trust factor that is actually missing. Whereas they may believe you can do the work, they're a little concerned about, are you going to attack them when they do make the connection is typically the response that they have. But most of the time, they're not thinking about it, right? So I teach my students in my program, look, when you get word of mouth buzz, there's absolutely language you can use to flip that into a referral. Same with a warm lead and same with an introduction. Mm -hmm. But it comes back to you being able to identify, was this a referral or was this word of mouth buzz? Was this a referral or was this an introduction? Because at that point, we then know how to respond. So if a referral always has that personal connection, that's always happening, right? Which means you are actually being connected to them. They're not like in the word of mouth buzz example. They're not talking about you and not telling you who that person is and connecting you to them. That connection has to happen because it's within that connection that when your referral source emails the prospect and copies you on the email and says, hey, Stacy, you need what Scott does. Like he can help your business, right? right? When that is made and then you go to reply and follow up, it's like constantly reminding the prospect, you can trust me because remember, so-and-so connected us because there's all that in that email thread. Right. And so that's really important that the connection is there. But equally important and sometimes more important is the second part of the definition of a referral, which well, is there's got to that. be, that? that's, there's a need identified. So which means I know I'm a prospect. I'm in buyer's mentality mode. I know I have a problem and I'm looking to solve it. And that's why I'm willing to be connected with you. When I say a prospect that has been referred to you is easier to close and quicker to close and less price sensitive. Yes, it is because of the trust that I have to trust you because I trust the referral source. But the reality of it is I'm looking to buy something. I'm looking for something. I have a service that I need. I have a product that I need. I'm I'm trying to solve a pain or I'm trying to make a problem go away. And so from that perspective, when the need's identified, right, and I am being connected to you by someone that I trust, that is what makes a referral a referral. People get connected all the time, but no need is identified. Well, that's just an introduction. And I'm not saying introductions aren't great for the sake of introductions, but if you're thinking you're going into a sales conversation, right, and you're actually not, that is something important for you to be able to understand. So you need to have that need identified. So when you're connected, there is a need identified. And it's very clear who is the solution provider, which hopefully that's you, and the other person knows that they're the prospect. And that's why they're willing to even have a conversation with you because they trust this referral source because that referral source is helping them solve a problem. So let me ask you this. There are some industries, I know in the staffing industry, people would pay uh, referral fees. Other industries will pay a referral fee when somebody refers somebody to them. What do you think happens to that relationship when there's some sort of expectation like that? What, do you, what happens to that relationship? So I think it all depends on how the relationship is set up and how that relationship is handled, right? And you're right. There are lots of industries where paying is com- it's, it's very common. There are other industries where it's like completely above board because like, you know, when you get referred to another realtor, right? That realtor is going to mm-hmm. pay that realtor who referred them a commission, right? Because it's right. all in documentation. Like we right, all right. see it. We all sign it, right? I don't have a problem with those things that are disclosed up front. It's like when you read a blog and they're like, hey, some of these links are affiliate links. I'm going to get paid a commission, right? If you click on it and buy, right? You know it in advance, right? And so those things, I believe, truly work from that perspective. 
My issue and my concern is it's the kickback stuff that kind of happens behind the scenes where it's like, hey, if you give me referrals, then I'll give you a commission and or I'll give you a kickback or I'll give you 10% or whatever it is. And the question there is at that moment, the buyer's going to wonder if they were to find out, right, your prospect, your buyer, if they were to find out that actually, did you refer me because Scott can help me or did you refer me because you were getting paid? Right. Right, and that so. is, it will commoditize the relationship. Now, when it's done above board, and so here's the thing, if you've got a really great referral program going and you're actually paying out commissions and you are getting the number of referrals you think you should be receiving, I'm truly not interested in breaking any process or procedure that's working within your business. The problem is though, most of these referral type programs don't work. And it's right. typically done in how they're set up or how they're managed or how they're handled. And when we feel like we're sneaking around, right, a lot of us are just not going to be comfortable with that long term. And so it, it kind of just speaks to how your company or how you decide to devise it. But the reality of that is, is that it needs to be something where it's just above board, right? And, and at that point, then everybody's in the know. It's like, you know, buyer beware kind of perspective. And it works when it's behind the scenes, right? It's like the kickback, dark curtain, don't look behind the curtain kind of thing. Don't see the wizard behind the curtain pulling all the strings, right? That's where we start to actually commoditize the relationship and we put the trust with our prospect in jeopardy. So Stacey, what about when you're in a situation where you want to get referrals, but you just can't ask for them? What do you recommend in those scenarios? So the first thing I always say is, welcome to the other side. Right. Because the reality of it is it's not what you've been taught. It's not what you've heard. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who will teach you if you want referrals, the number one and best way and only way to get them is actually to ask for them. But the majority of us are uncomfortable doing that. And so when people are like, okay, I want referrals. I just don't want to ask for them. I'm like, great. That is a commitment that you have to make first from an emotion and a thought process and the way you think about it. And then your actions have to follow that. So I always tell folks, listen, asking, paying, or being overly promotional or gimmicky and doing it my way, the without asking process, those are four options. That's what it is. There are four options to how you can go about generating referrals. You just have to decide the one that fits right for you and that you're willing to do. And what all those four are, we're looking for the trigger that will trigger the referral. The ask is typically the trigger. The problem with asking is that you have to ask all the time and you have to ask in lots of different scenarios to be able to create a new level of volume of receiving referrals. Because most people say, oh, I don't know, I'll get back to you. And then they don't. Because people fundamentally don't like to be asked because it puts them on the spot and it makes them uncomfortable. But even if you decide, okay, I'm gonna go a different route. I'm gonna generate referrals without asking like Stacey teaches, right? We're still looking for the thing that's going to have people think about you from a referral perspective we're just going to do it in a way that it respects the relationship with the referral source, which is why we're not going to ask and we're not going to be gimmicky and promotional. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the relationships that we have. We're going to look at the people like who's referred us, who are our existing referral sources right now. We call this IDing the who, but it's IDing like identifying who has actually referred you in the past. We're going to start there. Some people go through this exercise and they're amazed. Right. So you could go through your database, kind of check all the boxes of those people that have sent referrals to you. And I always call them bird dogs. Who are those people that love to share information? Anytime I get into law, those are the ones I'm going to call because I know that I'm going to get some sort of referral from my conversations with them. So you're saying make this an active part of strategy. Go back through your database and look at those people that have actually referred people in the past. Is that correct? 
Yes. And the way that I teach it is, is, and if you have this in a database, that's brilliant. Push a button and the report will be right produced for you. It'll be fabulous. Not everybody has it like that. But the reality is, is we're looking back at who are your clients and where did they come from? Which what I'm ultimately looking for is which ones were referred to you. And a referral is not a group that you were in or a meeting that you attended. It is a human. It is always a human that refers you. So you didn't get a referral from the Chamber of Commerce. You got a referral from Tom at the Chamber of Commerce, right? Or whatever it looks like. So we're looking for the names of the people who have referred you. And the way I teach it is we're going to look back, like how long has it been since they referred you? So are they considered active or inactive? And then we're going to pay attention to the relationship that we have with those people. Because ultimately, here's what you need to know. Referrals only come from relationships, right? right? People refer people because here's the thing. Most people think referrals happen because of you referrals have nothing to do with you. I think it's great that you get them. Please do not confuse that with people waking up every day and thinking to themselves, "Hmm, how can I help Stacy grow her business today? Who can (laughs) I refer to her? Nobody wakes up thinking that. That would be amazing if they did, but we don't. We wake up thinking about ourselves. Let's be honest, right? We wake up thinking about our agenda. And so when you have somebody who is willing to refer you, you have to recognize it's not about you. It's about that referral source who is actually helping somebody else and how they're helping them is by connecting that person with you because you're the best solution provider. And so when you can look at referrals from that perspective, it just changes the dynamic of how you view your referral sources. So when you've identified your referral sources, don't look at those people as, well, they refer me because they love me and they want to help me grow my business. Maybe, but it's secondary. First and foremost is their ability to help somebody else and be a hero. I think that's a great tip. I think that's an immediate action step. And let me ask you this. What would you say as we close up here, what are three action steps you'd recommend people taking to kind of implement some of these ideas that you have? Yeah. So here's the thing that I would recommend. Number one is, is recognize that when you have your business development strategy, you've been taught that you have a prospecting activities you do and marketing activities you do. I'm going to make the argument. You need to pull referrals out of prospecting, out of marketing and create a third leg to your stool. And you need to have a referral plan, which means when you identify these referral sources, everything you do and everything you say is completely different to be able to trigger more referrals down the road. Right. That's great. So make that as a separate standalone leg to our stool. Yes, absolutely. It's not two legs, it's three. Very, very important. Because then when you pull out your referral plan, you're not thinking about it from a prospecting or a marketing mentality. You're thinking about it from a relationship mentality. And so your language is different. What you do is different. How you engage with those folks and take care of them and strengthen that relationship looks different. It's not salesy at all. It is not marketing. It is not prospecting. The second thing I recommend is what we were just talking about. You have to know who refers you. You have to identify your referral sources. In my book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, I detail this out in chapter eight. So if you don't have a CRM or you're not sure you're pulling the right information, it's in the book. If you have a CRM, push the button, right? And produce the report and get the list of people who have referred you and then look at who's like more current, they're active Mm -hmm. and who's less current Mm -hmm. would be considered inactive. And then the final thing is, is when we talk about pulling out your referrals from your business development strategy and creating that third leg, well, it is an actual plan. So then you need to create a referral plan for how you're going to take care of these referral sources that you identified, right? With that second action step I'm giving you, you know who your referral sources are. You know, you need a separate referral plan. Then I want you to create it, right? And that is obviously what a good portion of my book is about as well. But I want you to create a referral plan that allows you to strengthen and deepen relationships with your referral sources, but also gives you opportunities to do what we call planting referrals 
referral seeds and making sure that you're investing in those relationships while also planting referral seeds. And then, right, once you have your referral plan, you just got to make it a process and a system, right? You got to systematize it. It's authentic as to why you're doing it, but we still have to make it a process and a system so you will actually do it. That's right. So um, so it's, it's creating that plan and then making it just like your prospecting, just like your marketing, make it a part of your workflow so that it actually happens. Well, Stacey, you've given me some great ideas that I'm even thinking about, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this today. And I'm really excited about taking some of the concepts that you shared and implementing them within my own practice. But tell us about your offerings. You talked about your book. What are some of the things that if somebody's listening to this, they want to get more information from you? And we'll put all of the links on the show notes, but tell us what are the, some of the things that you'd like for people on the show to know about you? Yeah, two easy places to get started to kind of ease into, hey, do I want to look at generating referrals, you know, the way that I've talked about it today. But one would be, of course, my book. It's available wherever books are sold, generating business referrals without asking. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing would be is to take this uh, nine question quiz that I have. It's called the Referral Ninja Quiz. And when you take this quiz, it's just nine simple questions. It's going to tell you where you stand based on your ninja level in right. terms of your ability to generate referrals without asking. And then whatever level you land at, and I'm going to guess 84% people who take this quiz of the thousands who've taken it land at the beginner level. I'm going to guess a lot of you will land at the beginner level. It'll show you the roadmap to how to get to Referral Ninja Master and what that looks like. But that's at referralquiz.com. And then of course, my book can be found anywhere online. That's great, Stacey. Well, I'm going to sign up for that today. I'm going to take the quiz. I look forward to getting to know you better and certainly we'll have you back on the show in the future. Thanks so much for being a great guest today. And like I said, we're going to put all the links to your site and your information on the show notes. Thanks so much, Stacey. Well, I enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.